Well, it's Good Friday. Is it a good Friday for you guys? It is, isn't it? Here's the deal. I want to I be real about this thing. 2,000 years ago when it first happened, it wasn't good at all because no one understood what was going down. See, we can now, 2,000 years later, we have the scriptures, we have the New Testament, we have the Bible. We see how the rest of the story worked out. Are you guys hearing me? That t- today is Friday, but we've already seen what happened on that following Sunday with the resurrection, Easter, and all the rest of it followed after that. And we can look back, praise God, and we can wear crosses around our neck, and we can hang them from our, wherever we hang them from, you know, and we can, we can be blessed and know that that was a good Friday. But what was going on at that time, that original good Friday, was devastating. It says so in scripture. Jesus' followers were crushed at this moment. Think about this. Here's the guy that they had become best friends with, they'd become loyal to. They'd seen the miracles that he did, the prophecies that he spoke out of his mouth, the intellect and the wisdom that he had, that he was able to speak things to their highest intellectual religious authorities. And Jesus's couple words or questions would shut people down. And he showed this incredible amount of love for people wherever he went, that the sinners, the ones that everybody else looked down on in society, were drawn to this man. And they hung out with him and they followed him and they, they had meals together and they, they went all around and he taught them. They called him master, they called him teacher. And at this time, on that first Good Friday, it was just a Friday to them, it was a terrible Friday. That guy, their friend, their teacher, the healer, the prophet, all of that, he was cold dead in a tomb. And they had watched him get murdered in front of their very eyes. And a lot of them freaked out and they left and they took off and they were disillusioned, they were confused, they were afraid, they were crushed, they were discouraged, and they were defeated. And in the midst of the Good Friday story, which is so much power and redemption at the cross, I don't want us to ever overlook the fact that there was another little bit of a sub-story that was going on in there that God was trying to, to teach us, and I want to talk about tonight, is that in the midst of those hard times, if we focus on Jesus, then the dark times don't have to be so dark. Are you guys hearing me? Because here's what was going on. Jesus had pre-warned them ahead of time. In Luke 18, 31 to 33, he had pre-warned them what was about to happen to him. He says, taking the 12 disciples aside, his closest followers, his closest companions, Jesus said, listen, this is how clear he said this, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man, which is what Jesus called himself, all the the predictions of the prophets concerning me will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans. He will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Now, he said that several other places in Scripture before he died. How much more clear can he make that? And yet, here we are on Friday night, crushed, defeated, discouraged. All hope is lost. Their Lord and Savior is dead in a grave. Now, they should have been paying attention to what he said a little bit earlier. And I always think about this. And we always skip right through to, oh, the, resurre- the, the, the cross was heavy and the crucifixion was heavy. And a couple days later, yay, the resurrection. We focus on that. We forget that in the midst of it that Jesus is trying to teach us something that I want to talk about tonight is that these people knew Jesus well. They knew him intimately. They lived with him. They traveled with him. They knew him. 
but they didn't fully recognize him and his full power of capacity and, and presence and who he actually was on that Good Friday. In fact, on that Good Friday, on that Passover Saturday, and early morning, even when they found the tomb empty, they still didn't get it. Now, this kind of blows my mind. I want to I back this up with another part of scripture that you see. On Sunday, listen to this, Resurrection Sunday, after he's been dead, you find the empty tomb. You find two of his followers in Luke 24. The two of his close followers are on the road walking to this village of Emmaus, which is about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They're walking on the road, and they're crushed. They're bummed. It says in Scripture, I'm paraphrasing, it said sadness was written all over their faces. And Jesus sees them, and he shows up and starts walking with them. But God prevented them from recognizing who he was. So here's two of Jesus' followers, and they're just beat down. And they're walking the seven-mile thing to their village, and they're just, ah. Oh. And Jesus shows up, and, and he goes, hey, friends, what, what's going on? And they're just sad. What do you mean, what's going on? You haven't heard? You've got to be the only man in Jerusalem that hasn't heard the events that have happened in the past few days. He goes, well, tell me about it. He goes, well, there's this guy, Jesus, the Nazarene from the town of Nazareth. And he was a mighty prophet, and he did miracles, and he was an incredible teacher, and he spoke words of wisdom. And in fact, we thought he was actually the promised Messiah that was going to store Israel and set everybody free from Roman oppression. But the problem was our leading priests and elders came along and they killed him. They crucified him. And we saw it. And so they're telling Jesus the story without knowing that it's Jesus. Then he says, but then some of our women came around. This happened on Friday. Some of our women went out to his tomb early this morning. And they said that they were greeted by an angel in an empty tomb. And they said, Jesus has risen from the dead. And then they went back and told some of our men. And they ran over to confirm it. And the, the tomb was empty. But we don't even know what to believe. And we're just, we're bummed. We're crushed. Now, I'm always thinking in my head, how come they didn't get it? Jesus had just told them what was going to happen, right? I mean, it's very clear what he said was going to happen to him. And so they said, as they're walking along, and, and they get to this point, and they just say, so, yep, the tomb was empty, but we don't know what's going on. And Jesus says this. He's, he's emotional. They still don't know who he is, but he goes, you foolish people. Don't you understand that all of this has been predicted from all the scriptures, from Moses through all the prophets? And he began to explain to them as they're walking along the road, all of this, how it made sense that the Messiah had to come, and he had to die. He was going to raise again on the third day. And they're still like, oh, wow, you know, just like kind of, kind of listening to it. They finally get to their house in Emmaus in the town and they invite Jesus to stay the night and they, they don't know it's Jesus. They just say, come stay the night and have dinner with us. And he, he blesses the food in front of them and then he begins to break the bread. And as he breaks the bread, it says, suddenly they recognized him and they talked and they said, didn't our hearts burn inside when he was explaining? Didn't we know it was him? Wasn't no one else would have known all of this stuff? Wasn't it him? And Jesus disappears. And so they go off and they tell the rest of them. But in this story, here's where I want to talk to you guys tonight, is I feel like this sometimes. And I think maybe some of us do. When things are the darkest and things are the hardest in our lives, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I know Jesus pretty well. But sometimes when things get dark in my life, I don't even recognize Jesus in the midst of it. And I feel like Jesus, as he's scolding these people here, and in several other occasions after he resurrected, he scolded them for not believing and knowing him and really recognizing his power. I believe that this is the word that, that God wanted me to give to you guys tonight, is Jesus is saying, 
if you really know me and you really, really recognize me, then the dark times you're going through don't have to be so dark. Whatever it is that you're going through, because I know you guys go through some dark stuff. We all do, right? We're, we're people. We deal with this stuff. I read the, the prayer cards that you guys turn in every week. There's broken marriages. There's relationships that are messed up. There's people that don't have a relationship with their, their kids. There's people whose finances are on the line. There's literally people, pray for me. I may not have a place to live as of next week. There's people that are struggling with addiction. There's, there's all kind of dark times that we go through. But here's our problem. We get this mentality that's a Good Friday mentality where we can't really see what Jesus is really doing. All we look at are the circumstances and the dark times. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is, hey, with me, there's more than meets the eye. Get your mind off the circumstances and learn to recognize me because in me, those dark times don't have to be so dark. Are you guys hearing me tonight? Is that the disciples missed something. And we sometimes miss it because we skip right to the resurrection. But Jesus is coming back and he's going, hey, for the past three days, I was dead and you guys are hurt and you look defeated. Don't stay there. Why are you staying there? I told you it was going to be okay. You're trusting in me. And so it's, it's us recognizing that there's more, to meet, more than meets the eye with Jesus. And here's a few things that we need to recognize about Jesus. There's three things that I want to talk about really briefly tonight is we need to recognize his person. It means his character, his personality, what kind of a person he is, what kind of a God he is. Secondly, we need to recognize his plans, that his plans sometimes look different from our plans, that his power is the third thing, is that his power is big enough to overcome any obstacle, including death, as we see it here. So we have to learn to recognize him, to get close to him, and there's no better picture of it in Scripture to me, personally, than the picture of Jesus as our good shepherd, Psalm 23. Anybody ever read that one? That's a great passage describing Jesus and that we're the sheep. And to be honest with you, sheep are not the most intelligent animal. So I always just tell myself, I'm just a dumb sheep with a good shepherd. And the more I begin to understand that relationship, I start to recognize who he is. And those dark times don't seem so dark. Amen? Here's, here's what it says in John chapter 10, verse 2. It says, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice. This is what Jesus is talking about. Recognize me. They recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They recognize him. And I got this picture of a shepherd I want to show you. It's more of a, of a modern day shepherd with his staff uh, that he uses to, to control the sheep and I was looking for, I actually Googled like sheep and shepherd and I wanted to find a picture, you know, Jesus as the good shepherd. But all the pictures I could find that the shepherd is like, literally like, they're all like extra holy looking Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Blonde, wavy hair. It's like feathered. Like, remember the 70s? Like Farrah Fawcett's like, oh, blue eyes. I'm going, that's not a Jewish carpenter. Like what the, and so I finally just had to pick a more modern version. I'm not being disrespectful. It's just that I don't think Jesus looked like that. You know, he was a Jewish guy. He looked like Adam Sandler or something. But Right? Curly hair. But so anyways, I, I got this picture of a shepherd. And without taking anything away from this, here's the picture of us recognizing the person of, of Jesus Christ and the picture of the shepherd. Because he's saying, if you guys would have recognized me from Friday, Saturday into Sunday morning, you wouldn't be as devastated as you are right now. I've been through some times in my life where I needed to learn to recognize the person of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. Here's what we recognize about God. God is big, 
he's mad at me, he gives me what I deserve, or he's just not interested because look at the mess that I'm in right now. He doesn't really care for me that much. Or maybe I've done bad things and I've offended him, so he's mad at me. That's wrong. You need to recognize the person of Jesus Christ. You know what he is? He's love. By very definition, God is love. It says it in 1 John. God is love. Not only that, he's humble. He's, he's forgiving. He wants your best in life. I went through a situation that was my darkest hour to date in my life about a year and a half ago. Now I'm still walking it out, and it's getting better, and it's, it's getting great. But I went through a season in my life of dealing with gossip, dealing with betrayal, dealing with losing people from the church, dealing with financial difficulties. My marriage, my whole family life was in crisis. I didn't know if I was going to come back to this church to have a job. And all of this stuff was going just haywire in my life. It was a dark time for me. But guess what? I knew Jesus, but it wasn't helping me just to know Jesus. I had to recognize the personality and the character and the loving, compassionate heart of Jesus Christ because I knew all about Jesus but in that dark time, the only thing that allowed me to have hope and see the light, to walk through it into the light of a new day, was that I had to get close to him and I had to listen to his voice. And I had to know his character. Know that he's a loving God. Know that when I'm weak, he is strong. Know that he's only got good things in store for my future. Not to harm me, not to mess me up, but that I would have a bright future that's going to prosper me. And that he would speak promises to me. And I learned to recognize the voice of God. Let me tell you this. I didn't hear the voice of God. I heard the voice of my God. Does that make a, a difference to you? That we need to recognize the shepherd's voice. We need to recognize his person. Secondly, we need to recognize his plans. Because sometimes we see the situation that we're in, and we just think, no, the Messiah was supposed to be the king that came and conquered. He was supposed to do it this way. The problem with God's plans are he doesn't ever do it the way that we would do it, right? He's like, why, why is it? No, you're not supposed to die. And yet the death brought about the greatest rebirth that has ever happened in all of humanity, right? And so they're, they're, we get in this position where we just we don't recognize the plans that he has for us because it's not how we would do it. Sometimes the shepherd has to lead his sheep the long way around, and they're thinking, this isn't the way we should go. I, I, I told you guys this story before. Just the other day on, on my day off, I took my family. We all went out to the North Shore. Love to go to the North Shore, go to the beach. And we have made a decision as a family that we will never drive the freeway to the North Shore. We will always go the long way around the island, right? And the reason is, and this is sometimes how it works with us with God, we want to get to the destination. We want to get there the fastest, the cleanest, the easiest, the safest, with the least amount of trouble in our life as possible. And God goes, don't worry. I'm going to get you to where you're headed, where I promise you to be. But I'm going to take you the long way around. And sometimes the long way around has bumps in the road and has challenges. But also along the way around, I'm going to build in you faith and character, and I'm going to strengthen your spiritual muscles so that when you get to that destination, you're stronger that you would be able to get to the next destination from there. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying right now is God's plans are not our plans. They're better. So get to know and recognize his plans in your life. The disciples are like, no way. This can't be the plan. He's not supposed to die. God goes, just wait. Just trust me. If you would recognize me, then those dark times you're in right now, they don't have to be so dark. The third thing is we need to recognize his power. I'm guilty of it. I see the troubles in my life mounting up, and I just think there's no way God's going to fix it. So I start scheming in my head the plan B to kind of let God off the hook because there's no way God could do plan A, which would be the miracle. Are you guys hearing me? We started going, well, God, there's no way you could fix this. So 
I'm going to still praise you and be okay with living with it like this the rest of my life, and I'll still love you. And God's going, come on. You don't think I got power to do that? I brought Christ back from the dead. You don't think I have power to fix that little thing in your life right now? And that we need to come to the point where we're trusting in his power, that he can do the impossible, that the sheep are dumb and they get stuck in the bushes and they're, they're stuck, their wool is stuck on the thorns or whatever, and they come along and they think that it's all over. And here comes a shepherd who's bigger, who's smarter, who's stronger, who can let them off the hook, can set them free, and bring them to a place of freedom. I love that the shepherd carries around the staff, right, the crook, that it's not only used to guide and to, to lead the lost sheep home, but you know what else it's used for? It's, it's if enemies come up, if wolves, if bears come at the sheep, that shepherd is strong, he's big, and he's going to defend, he's going to attack. And see, I I hold on to that in my life is that God has power to take care of me and to protect me in those situations, to do the impossible. Theodore Roosevelt said it like this, walk softly and carry a big stick. You got to know that Jesus in your life, if you trust him, he walks softly. He's a humble man. He's of humble heart, but he carries a big stick. He carries a lot of power that he can bring whatever difficulty in your life into a place of freedom that is his power that can bring new birth to something that seemed dead. Are you guys hearing me on that one? There's something in your life right now that you're going, it's dead, it's over, I'm just gonna deal with it, but I still love God. And God's going, no, 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 no. I have the power to fix what was broken. I have the power to right what was wronged. I have the power to turn your little setback into the greatest comeback you've ever seen in your life. Look what I did with my son at the cross. Amen? That's the God that we serve. That's Jesus. If we would learn to recognize him, and that's what I get out of this. There was a there was a point after the resurrection that most of his disciples had seen him. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's really here. We can't believe it. God, you're powerful. But then there was this one dude, if you remember, his name is Tom, Doubting Thomas, right? He's going to go down in history with that nickname. I feel bad for Pastor Tom because that's like how you're known, Doubting Thomas. But no, Tom doesn't. He has a strong faith. But here's this guy, Thomas, that goes, yeah, right, Jesus rose from the dead. Are you kidding me? Who can do that? Who's ever done that before? I'll believe it when I see it, right? Isn't that what Thomas said? When I can put my fingers into the holes in his hands and I can touch the scar on his side from the the Roman um, officer's spear that went into him, when I can do that and when I can see with my own eyes, then I'll believe. So sure enough, they're all meeting together one day behind closed doors and Jesus appears. Right? He disappears. He's Jesus. He can do that. He came from the dead. He can do whatever. He comes and he appears to Thomas. He goes, Thomas, come here, buddy. Check it out. Take a look. And it says that when, when, he, when Thomas saw that, Jesus told him this in John 20, verse 29. You believe, Thomas, because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Here's the point that I want to make tonight. Is those dark times that you're going through, they don't have to be so dark if you recognize that there's more to Jesus than meets the eye. Is that a good word for you guys tonight? The dark times don't have to be so dark. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we love you and we, we honor you on this Good Friday. Lord, we're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for the love that would allow you to go there. That, that was the motive. You didn't have to do it. In fact, towards the end there, you knew it was going to hurt and you even asked the Father if there's any way that you wouldn't have to go through the suffering Maybe the plan could be a quick death or there's another way. You even asked because you knew it was going to be hard. But then Jesus, you agreed with the Father and said, it's your will that needs to be done, that we have love for these people that don't even love us yet. It's a crazy, ridiculous love to love someone 
while they're still sinners, while they're still set apart and set against you. But that's the kind of love, Jesus, that you had, that Father, you had in sending your only Son, Jesus Christ, to that cross. So we are so thankful, so grateful. Lord, and that's not the end of the story. What happened a couple days later on Sunday was the real miracle. So, Lord, we're just so thankful for the story of Easter and, and what you did for us. But, Lord, along the way, there's a lesson in this for us, is that we don't let those dark times that we can see with our eyes discourage us and defeat us. Lord, I know that there's people in this room right here going through hard times right now in their lives with relationships, with family, with addictions, with temptation, with poor choices, with loneliness, with depression, with anxiety. But I know there's a lot of us facing dark times right now. I thank you, Jesus, that you remind us that if we recognize you and we get close to you through your word, through prayer, through just sticking around other people that know you, those dark times don't have to be so dark because the breakthrough is right around the corner. And oftentimes the things that are against us get darkest and hardest right before the breakthrough comes. Lord, I pray that we keep our eyes on you, not on what we can see, because with you, Jesus, there is more than meets the eye. And Lord, we would hold on for that breakthrough because we love you, we trust you, because we know you have the power, the plans, and the personality that loves us and cares for us, and you can conquer anything we're going through. So right now, I just want to continue praying with our eyes closed and heads bowed. If there's anybody that you've never made that initial commitment to Jesus Christ, the initial one that actually gives you a relationship with him that would allow him to move in your life and to to save you from eternity in hell and to, to save you from the heartaches and the headaches and the hurts that you deal with in your life because he wants to be on your side. He wants to be moving in your life and he wants to be helping you. If you're at a point in life right now where you just know, I I just need to pick God. I need to choose him. I need to change my life. And I'm hoping that what I've heard tonight is true, that he does love me and he wants my best. I've done some pretty terrible stuff and I've been pretty selfish, but that there is a God in heaven that went to that cross because he loves me and he's trying his hardest to get back to relationship with me. And if that's how you feel here tonight, I want to say a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer that would allow you to come back into that right relationship with God. If this is the first time you're praying this prayer to say, yes, I want to be a Christian. I want to know what Jesus is all about. I want to follow him. I want to see what he could do in my life. Then I want to pray with you. If maybe you're someone that it's been a long time, you used to walk with him, but it's been long and you've wandered off. You're a lost sheep. Well, Jesus is that shepherd that's been waiting to bring you home. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to hold all that you've done against you. He's just going to forgive you and love you and bless your life if you'll just say yes to him. So if that's you tonight and you're ready at a point to make a prayer to just make things right with God, I would love to lead you in a prayer right now. And it's a prayer that I'm going to pray out loud. I'm not going to make you pray it out loud, but I'm going to ask that you would agree with me in your heart of hearts as you make this commitment to God. It's a commitment to God that acknowledges that you're a sinner and sin separates mankind from God, that all of us are. We're born into sin. Sin just means that we're doing things our own way against God. And our way is our way but when we admit that we're sinners we're saying we need a better way we need God we need to be close to God and what we're acknowledging is that Jesus Christ on that good Friday paid the price for us so we wouldn't have to pay the penalty of eternity separated from God that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could have relationship with God he rose on the third day to prove he is the son of God that he had power over death but also over all of our sins and our hurts and our guilt and our shame and our baggage. 
And that because of Jesus, and if we would follow him and believe in him, we now have access to God and to his unlimited power and his incredible plans and his loving person that he is, that he wants to just bless our lives and change them forever. And if you want to make the decision right now to say yes to all that he has for you and believe in him for all of your days and let him move into your life and begin to work, I want to lead you in that prayer right now. So before we pray it, I'm going to ask one thing. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I'm going to ask you one thing is that if you want to make this decision in the prayer of your heart right now to connect with God, that you would just raise your hand on the count of three so that I would know who I get the privilege and opportunity to pray with right now. Everybody's got their eyes closed and heads bowed. I'm the only one looking and I'm just asking this on the count of three. If you want to say this prayer that you'd lift your hand and we'd pray it here together. And God's going to do stuff in your life. Ready? One, two, three. Would you just lift your hands? Hold them up until I see them. I want to count these people here. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. Twenty-four people. Go ahead and put your hands down right now. Just to let you guys know, the reason those people are clapping is they they already have the relationship that you're about to start right now. They know how good it is, and they are so stoked that you're choosing to make God the Lord of your life and Jesus Christ, his son, and the Holy Spirit at work in you. So put your hands on. I want you to pray this in your heart of hearts as I pray it out loud. God, I'm here tonight, and I heard something that stirred in my heart. I believe that you want me, you love me, and that you've got hope for my life. No matter what I've done, whatever I've been through and who I am, you still love me and you offer forgiveness and you offer healing for my life. So God, my answer right now is yes to all that you have. I believe in your son Jesus and what he did at the cross to pay the price for me. From here on out, God, I promise you from my heart, I live for you. Lord, teach me as I read your word to know your plans. Lord, as I go to church and get involved with the the body of Christ, that they would be there for me and support me and help me. Lord, as I go get water baptized, just to do an outward symbolic act of what you're doing in my heart spiritually as you're washing me clean, as I'm, I'm a new creation in you, as I'm dying to my old self and I'm being born again, a new creation. God, all that you have for me, your Holy Spirit that would speak to me and guide me and actually be in me and fill my thoughts and lead me. Lord, I don't even understand that, but I want it because I need it. Lord, here's a cry of my heart right now, God. I need you. Would you accept me as your child? Thank you, because I know that as I cried out right now, you've already answered and you've already forgiven and you're already accepting me into your family and I look forward to what you're about to do in my life. Thank you for allowing me to be your child from here on out into eternity that you are now my God, my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen, amen. Can we praise God for those people? Pray that prayer. Amen. Thank you, Lord.